0: Well, let me add my welcome to that of others. If you're a guest with us, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here, too. And um, kind of in an unintended fashion, we ended up with kind of a, th- a three-week mini-series <laughs> through the Easter season here, Palm Sunday, and, and then uh, last week, Easter Sunday, and then this week, kind of tracking with an unexpected theme. Uh, but before we dive in, Christ is risen. He is Christ, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Easter, of course, is not just a day, but a season in the, in the church year. And we celebrate Easter for 50 days, actually, until we come to Pentecost. So this entire season, from uh, resurrection to the pouring out of the Spirit and power on the church at Pentecost, we celebrate Easter Sunday. And, uh, of course, like I said, we've been tracking with this unexpected theme that you, you might be here for the first time and you might not have experienced those last two on Palm Sunday, kind of thought about the unexpected way Jesus came to us. We, we thought he would be one kind of king and would inaugurate one kind of kingdom, but in fact, he was quite unexpected in, in the kind of king he actually was and the kind of kingdom he came to inaugurate. Um, and then, of course, as the story goes, Jesus um, caused such a ruckus in the Jewish society that he got himself executed and the Romans killed him and all those people who welcomed him that first Palm Sunday, Long ago, again, this caught him off guard. They didn't expect him to be killed. They thought he would be the revolutionary leader to to bring victory to them. So yet another kind of blow to what they were expecting. And then then most unexpected, you know, some of the women of the core group around Jesus on that third day after he was killed went to the tomb and uh, they come back with this incredible story that he's not there. Really? Empty? Empty. And more than that, they said they saw an angel. And the angel said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Really? Really? I would have expected that. They, they report this to the apostles, and the apostles didn't believe them because their words seemed to them like nonsense, you know, unexpected. And we, we, no matter where we are in this journey of faith, we are we are always invited to explore again this most unexpected claim that the tomb of Jesus was found empty because he really was raised from the dead a human being just like you and me who died and not only lived again, but lives again, right now. And that that changes everything. So we've been kind of working through this unexpected kind of theme. So one thing I really appreciate about the Bible, uh, unlike many kind of religious or spiritual texts, is it's not glossy, there's real world grappling with stuff, and there's real failure. You know, I, I had a friend who uh, still has the dream of hosting a Christian conference called the Failure Conference, and just lifting a bunch of texts out of the Bible and saying, "Look, this is way more about uh, you know us getting it wrong, and then turning to God and relying upon God's grace than us being great at at this whole thing, right?" And that, that's how the Bible feels when you read it. I mean, people crashing and burning all over the place. And I don't know about you, but that kind of rings true because I know I'm in that same boat, right? This is just real. And, and part of, of the reality of that is it grapples with people's real reaction to the claim that Jesus was raised from the dead. This is not glossy, right? The first stage we hit last week, it's nonsense, he can't be alive, he's dead. Dead people don't live again. That's a bunch of nonsense. And here, here's the scripture we looked at. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. So Peter was the one who went to explore the unexpected claim that Jesus might actually be alive and we're invited to explore it. And if we choose to, we move through the same kind of phases or steps that the apostles experienced as human beings Grappling with this claim. And the, 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 the apostles experienced all of this, and, and I kind of believe that these are kind of normal, predictable steps for anybody who's uh, considering the, the gospel, the, the claims of Jesus, reading the Bible and really kind of grappling with it. So those, uh, uh, those steps are recorded in a passage of scripture just a bit after the one we read last week in the Gospel of Luke. So let's listen to that passage now.
1: The reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 33 through 39. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord.
0: So uh, again, this message kind of builds on last week's a bit in that um, trying to unpack initial experiences that human beings have when confronting this claim that Jesus is alive from the dead. And it's my contention that this is a predictable pattern uh, for, for people who are exploring that, that this claim. Uh, it's it's uh, a pattern that I experienced personally in my own journey of faith. And um, as, as I look back on it, I kind of wish somebody might have, done something like what I'm going to try to do today and in so doing kind of normalize this process of uh, journeying in faith or this process of seeking that's involved in in kind of exploring the claims of Jesus because for me that process did not feel good. It felt awkward. Uh, It felt hard. It felt scary. And quite frankly, I did not want to do it. You know, I, my own experience is that I, I did not choose to adopt Christianity as my religion because I wanted to. Uh, my experience was that in wrestling with what's really going on in the world, I came face to face with claims I could no longer deny. I kind of wanted to get away, to be quite honest. So the, the process of exploring did not feel good. So I intend this as help, right? It flows directly from the scripture and I think it's a pattern for seeking, really. And, and again, we hit the first one last week. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to that if you so desire. But step one is a bunch of nonsense, right? The apostles did not believe the women's words because they seemed to them a, a lot of nonsense. And I, I so vividly remember that experience for myself when I... I put together these these uh, these uh, truths that Jesus was a real person and that Christians uh, believe that he physically lived as a human being, died, and rose again. I remember when all of that dawned on me at the same time. Okay, real person, and the real claim is that he died and rose again. What? I, I remember feeling that. I remember thinking that is. How, how does any thinking person believe that? It's a bunch of nonsense, right? So, a bunch of nonsense, step one. But in, in the passage we read today, more steps are revealed, I believe. From from bunch of nonsense, you move to startled and frightened. I mean, here, here's, here's the text. While they were still talking about this, now the, the scene is this. So, there's the Easter story the women find the tomb empty, go and tell the apostles. The apostles don't believe it. And then in Luke's gospel, the, the story of the road to Emmaus is packed in there. And if you're less familiar with the Bible, that's the story of two disciples of Jesus walking along the road after this. And Jesus comes and, and walks with them, but they don't recognize him. And they're having this interaction. Finally, Jesus reveals who he is at the end when he breaks bread with them, they invite him. So then they, they go back and tell all the other apostles and they're like, whoa, it's real. He's alive, we, we saw him, he was walking with us. And then, so all of those apostles are gathered in that room. These two are reporting to them. And then this. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. So if you, if you spend any time at all with the Gospels in the New Testament, uh, it becomes very clear that fear is a, is a real and significant first step in grappling with the claims of Jesus. There's, there's really no way around this. I mean, the... the the New Testament records many times when an angel, a messenger of the Lord, visits people and invariably, right, the first line of the angel, almost always, is do not be afraid. Why? Because people are freaking out, right? This is why the angel always always leads with this. Because in an instant, our view of the world is almost entirely dismantled. Just, boop, gone. God, God is real. God is a person, not an idea. And when there's a being standing right in front of you that proves that definitively, we feel fear. You know, suddenly, that new car we've really wanted and have been feeling jealous because somebody else has it and we don't, whatever right that's going on in our inner world and then boom angel okay well I'm organizing my life around the wrong things right I mean a predictable initial human encounter with Jesus is fear and that's that's probably how it will feel that's why Jesus leads with peace be with you right peace be with you why is this why the fear? First, we know ourselves. I mean, the, the moment we begin to take God seriously is the moment we think, whoa, I'm in big trouble. At least that was my experience. I went to Miami, of Ohio as an undergrad, and still remember the, uh, the night there was a little Bible study campus, uh, Christian organization on campus in, there, in our chapel at Miami called the Sesquicentennial Chapel. <laughs> it takes like three years to learn how to pronounce the name of the chapel. Uh, but I was, I was riding my bike. It was Wednesday night, Quarter Beers, and it was in that window of time where all of the people heading up to Quarter Beers were already there, and all of the people not heading there were already back in their rooms. So campus was completely desolate. I'm riding my bike across the academic quad. And that was really the moment for me when I stopped, I remember looking up, seeing all the stars and thinking, wow, I think God is actually real. Let me tell you, fear. Oh my goodness. Because, you know, like all of us, I knew I had stuff in my life I didn't want anybody else to know about. It was much more comfortable to be able to hide. And the thought that God was real meant that there was someone who knew me completely. You know, no no hidden closets and stuff, right? Because all right there. And there's there's fear. Um, I think a second reason we initially encountered Jesus with this kind of fear response is, uh, the implications for our lives dawn on us in an instant. You know, right, right after that experience in the academic quad on my bike, I, 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 remember I, went, I went home and I prayed for the first time. I had gone through the motions of prayer p- prior to that. Uh, but I had never really sat down and sought to communicate with the creator of the universe. Talking to a person. And my prayer was pretty simple. I think you're real. I'm scared. And I need you. There's got to be some truth to the fact that that's kind of the first prayer for almost all of us, right? Again, when God moves from idea to, whoa, really? Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Really? You know, I was 22 years old, so not, I, I, I not only did the, this idea of feeling afraid because I was suddenly known by everyone, by, by, by God, but this, this idea that the, this had dramatic implications for my life, the way I would explain it later to a friend was it felt like God was reaching into the structure of my life and laying hold of the cornerstone and was about to go, yank. And the whole structure of my life felt wobbly, like it, like it was going to, or just had fallen down. And in my mind, I'm left thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta rebuild the whole thing. I had the wrong foundation. I, I was building on the wrong thing, and had to, had to kind of grapple with and, and admit that all of my work, all of my investment, all of my time so far in this world had now seemingly been misguided blind and possibly hurtful to the one to whom this whole world belongs. Wow. So, bunch of nonsense, startled and frightened, and the third step is rising doubts. Jesus said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. You know, out of being startled and frightened, Jesus invites that that small group uh, of people who are beginning to recognize him to engage their minds, right? To move from an emotional reaction to intellectual consideration. Look at my hands and my feet. Touch me. Now time out, right, we believe this really happened. That there was a room in a structure built by human hands in this world where the apostles of Jesus were all gathered together at this moment of time long ago and the risen Jesus appeared with them. In his body. And he said, look. Touch me. And see, I'm real. Right? Not just spiritual story. That happened. And we have to believe that they touched him. That they actually felt the resurrected body of Jesus, just like you could feel the arm of the person next to you. Well, that's something. But even as he was there, Doubts were rising in their mind. Maybe you've experienced this. I know I did. And you're never, you're never quite done with doubt. Right? So p- please know this. If, if as Christians, doubts creep in, we just have to grapple with these things, right? And live with them in community. So don't, don't feel like you're not a follower of Jesus because you have some doubt. Right? But rising doubts were, were rising in, in their minds. Why? First, we all need time and reasons to adopt a a very new significant claim, right? At least I know I do. Being an introvert, I just need, whoa, give me some space here. I need to think about this. I'd rather not talk about it. I need to think about it. It's this kind of thing. Second, we all have error blindness. Do you know error blindness? It's actually a psychological phenomenon. And simply put, it's, you know, when, when we're wrong about stuff, we don't like to admit it. Because realizing we're wrong about stuff makes us feel bad. And we don't like to feel bad. That's a super simplified explanation, right? But we all have it. A built-in psychological protection mechanism that works to help us maintain consistency with whom we believe ourselves to be. And we all want to believe good things about ourselves. To be, you know, that we're fair-minded and thoughtful and right most of the time. All those kinds of things. So in recognizing Jesus for who he really is, we, we might have to admit that we've been wrong about who he was. And that won't feel good. And we need to know that. And, and third, there's, there's very real opposition to faith in Jesus. I, I know I experienced this, and, and maybe you have or are experiencing this now. When confronted with the idea that Jesus might really be alive, not just spiritual story from long ago, but might be alive right now in his body. When confronted with that, and there was, there was a shouting match in my inner dialogue. And it went like this. You can't believe this. What do you think? Are you crazy? How can you even be giving this thought the time of day? That is dumb. That, no, no, don't do that. And it got loud in there. And have you experienced this with regard to things of faith? Particularly when it comes to who Jesus really is and what he claimed to do. So I I invite you to this exercise. If when considering claims of faith, reading scripture, uh, the inner dialogue gets amped up, just ask yourself, why is my inner dialogue so amped up? What's really going on here? Uh, I think in my life, I've come to understand that to be one of, the, uh, one of the first signs of spiritual struggle, spiritual opposition to something. I think the closer we get to the heart of Jesus and, and the center of the gospel, the, the greater that shouting match becomes right? at times. So a bunch of nonsense, startled and frightened, rising doubts, fourth step, joy and amazement as barrier to life relinquishment. I made that up. It's a little bit long, I know. <laughs> but look at the text. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Huh? The scripture says very clearly they, they remained in a place of unbelief not because of doubts, not because of all the other stuff, but because of joy and amazement. Jesus asked them, do you have anything to eat, here to eat, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, he took it, ate it in their presence, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. They still did not believe because of joy and amazement. Here, here's a question for you what would it feel like if suddenly everything you never knew you hoped for came true? Meaning, what would it feel like if all in one moment the deepest, best longings of your heart became clear to you and simultaneously you realize that you live in a world where all of these longings have been fully satisfied through a gift granted you freely and fully by the God who is actually real and who actually loves you with a depth and commitment you previously had never dreamed to imagine. What would that feel like? joy, amazement. It'd be too good to be true, really, right? And and we live in a world where we all know that if something is too good to be true, then it, it really is too good to be true. You know, while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, there's a difference between being overjoyed and amazed at, the idea that God is real or that Jesus maybe really did what he said he claimed to do or was who he said he, said he was. There, there's a difference between being overjoyed and amazed by those things and relinquishing your whole life to God through faith in Jesus. You know, trusting Jesus with your whole self. That, that's faith. That's what trust means in the, in the Bible. You know, joy and amazement as cause of disbelief you know, my, my understanding, which is very, very small, of, of brain science is that as emotional reactivity increases, uh, objective reasoning decreases. So uh, as emotional reactivity, either positive or negative, increases, our capacity to think rationally goes down. And this, this, is, why it's so, this is why conversations of emotional health are so important. Uh, even in, in the area of discipleship. Right? To be an emotionally healthy, stable person is a really important thing. But the apostles, right? Emotional re- joy and amazement, whoa! But still not taking a rational step. They, they did not believe because of their joy and amazement. So what did Jesus do? He eats a piece of fish. Just bring it, bring it back down into the very real and very pragmatic, hey, you got anything to eat? Yeah, let me have that. Just, I'm right here. And then he tells them that, that he had already told them this, but they weren't ready for it because they were expecting something else. Again, the unexpected. So, you, you can feel the graciousness of God's strategy here, right? The way he's working with people to help us recognize him. Jesus does everything he can to help us move through the stages. You know, a bunch of nonsense. There's no way that's true. Startled and frightened. Wow, if this is true, I am in trouble and rising doubts. There's, there's, there's no way this is true. Disbelief as barrier. Wow, really? Wow, wow, it's true. To, to the final step, then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He opened their minds. There, there's an early Christian theologian named Anselm who coined the phrase faith-seeking understanding. And it simply means that our journey of recognizing Jesus, uh, in that journey, faith comes before understanding or, or full understanding. It basically means a couple things. If, if we're waiting to figure everything out before taking a step of faith, we will never take a step of faith because we'll never get it all figured out in advance. And, and if you never take a step of faith, then you never gain the understanding that comes from that side of the, the, the faith proposition, right? And there's great understanding that comes from that side when you, when you look back. And maybe, maybe you've experienced this. I know I experienced this in my journey. I so vividly remember after my senior year in college, reading my Bible on the steps, going down to a, a, a dock at the lodge where I used to work, third dock, and I'm, I'm reading. I uh, started at the beginning of Proverbs because the Proverbs always seem to make sense to me, and I, I, you know, just these logical things like, oh, yeah, that's clearly true. And I get to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You might know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? That doesn't mean bail on your brain, it doesn't mean bail on being a thinking person. It just means that. if what we're ultimately trusting in is our own capacity to reason, to figure it out, our understanding as it now exists, we're in trouble. Right? So so don't lean on your own understanding. Trust, meaning rely upon, lean on the Lord. It's, it's a question of uh, the chair into which we're going to sit down and trust with the weight of our whole being. Jesus or our own understanding. Right. So those, those are the steps, really, as, as, as I see them. Maybe you've experienced these. Uh, if, if you're at the front end thinking, I don't know what this journey might look like, I think these might be predictive of your experience if you dive into this. And there are others who would be happy to walk with you in that, me being one of them. Maybe you've experienced this in your journey of faith. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in one of these places and kind of need the next thing uh, to kind of, kind of move you on, right? Uh, wh- wherever we are, the fundamental claim of the gospel remains true. Jesus is alive. And, and this summary from the text we read is true. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He did, and he did. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. That that is happening as we sit here right now. You are witnesses of these things. And they were. The apostles saw all of this and wrote a lot of this to share their experience with us and the truth of this great message. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you that you are with us as we uh, Pursue you as as we seek you. Thank you that you're with us when we are choosing uh, to not give you a second thought. Thank you that you are with us always. Thank you that you are calling us back to you. Reveal your goodness to us. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. Help us uh, in in this invitation to trust more in you than in our own understanding, which we've reasoned out. Uh, Help us in that step of faith, God, and help us to rely upon you. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.